Section 33 of the Watergate Report, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Final Report of the Senate Select Committee on Presidential Campaign Activities, Volume 3. Section 33. Chapter 11. Individual Views of the Senators of the Select Committee. Part 6. 2. The Government. One of the significant patterns of evidence that emerged from this committee's investigation relates to the operation of government. In the climate of Watergate, there is a tendency to dismiss anything short of crimes. But there is a great value to the facts that follow, not because they contain sensational crimes, but because they confirm a misuse of the intended functions of important institutions. It reflects a departure from legitimate government that, if allowed to persist, would be of far greater significance over time than any short-term criminal event. A. The Intelligence Community The attitudes and policies that led to Watergate had a profound impact on the intelligence community, from the FBI and the CIA to the lesser intelligence sections of other agencies. Soon after the new administration took office in 1968, there seems to have been a basic dissatisfaction within the White House as to our existing intelligence capabilities. They were variously considered too timid, too bound by tradition, and generally incapable of acting effectively with respect to what the White House perceived as necessary intelligence. One of the responses by the White House was to set up a plan, an intelligence plan, so that the objectives, methods, and results of the intelligence community would coincide with the White House. This plan was drafted by Tom Charles Houston in early 1970, and came to be known as the 1970 Domestic Intelligence Plan, or the Houston Plan. Much of the plan, which has been described previously, was illegal, either in its objectives or in the methods it proposed. Nevertheless, there are numerous indications, in evidence received by this committee, that the types of activities recommended in the plan were carried out in the following years. The net effect was to subvert or distort the legitimate intelligence functions of the government. The plan recommended an expanded use of electronic surveillance. However, the expanded wiretapping that took place in succeeding years was done outside legitimate channels, such as the 17 so-called Kissinger taps, the tap on Joseph Kraft, the Watergate wiretaps, and even the wiretap on the president's brother. The second element of the plan called for surreptitious entries. Burglaries, in fact, took place at the office of Dr. Ellsberg's psychiatrist, at the Democratic National Committee, at the office of publisher Hank Greenspun, according to multiple evidence, and were suggested or planned for the offices of the Potomac Associates, the Brookings Institution, and Senator McGovern's campaign headquarters. Mail sent to an affiliate of the Democratic Party was opened and photographed by the U.S. Army in a well-documented and apparently massive operation, and military agents spied on the concerned Americans in Berlin, a group of McGovern supporters who were officially recognized by the Democratic Party. The specific actions proposed by Houston are only one aspect of the plan. Equally important are the policy recommendations. The heart of this new policy was better coordination and use of existing intelligence from all areas of the government. The means of carrying it out was to be a new intelligence committee sitting above all the agencies. Again, the plan was carried out. 
on september seventeenth nineteen seventy an intelligence evaluation committee was set up in the white house it was to receive information from the cia the fbi and the national security agency and other intelligence sections notwithstanding the fact that the statutes prohibit the cia from participating in any domestic intelligence function it was called upon to evaluate domestic intelligence gathering by the other agencies when the intelligence evaluation committee was set up this intelligence was to be digested by the cia experts and then disseminated for use wherever useful regardless of the statutory limits placed on the agency that collected the information what was important about setting up that committee was not the work it actually did but rather the legitimization of a concept that concept was that intelligence functions of the various agencies were there for whatever purpose the executive decided it wanted not for the purposes congress decided by statute as an illustration mr mccord testified that he eventually received information for use by crp from the internal security division of the justice department on a daily basis it included information from the fbi pertained to individuals and was of a political as well as non-political nature this arrangement was made pursuant to a request sent to mr mitchell from mr mccord which led to a call from Assistant Attorney General Margin, in which he relayed the Attorney General's approval and told McCord to work through the Internal Security Division. The Internal Security Division of the Justice Department also provided legal assistance to the White House. For example, it provided information regarding demonstrators and information that would embarrass individuals in connection with their relationship with demonstrators and demonstration leaders another illustration of misuse of intelligence was the request made to the irs on july first nineteen sixty nine by mr houston to set up a means of reviewing the operations of ideological organizations soon the irs had set up an activists organizations committee collecting intelligence to find out generally about the funds of these organizations an internal memo pointed out that its activities should be disclosed generally only to those persons who need to know because of its semi-secretive nature we do not want the news media to be alerted to what we are attempted to do or how we are operating because the disclosure of such information might embarrass the administration the type of organization in which we are interested may be ideological or other in effect what we will attempt to do is gather intelligence data on the organizations in which we are interested and to use a strike force concept this was not tax collection it was the irs being converted into an intelligence agency and it was stopped in the midst of this committee's hearings in mid nineteen seventy three the next step was when the irs began gathering intelligence from other parts of the government with no attempt made to restrict this to tax-related information arrangements were made within the military the internal security division of the justice department and the secret service to turn over information on individuals or groups so long as the irs has the power to be a potential harassment for the average citizen if audits are not conducted on an objective basis this procedure of developing files on dissenting citizens must be questioned the more important point is that irs duties and responsibilities are spelled out by the congress and such an intelligence operation is not one of them 
the irs and the justice department were not the only agencies pressured into assisting white house intelligence demands a secret service agent spied on senator mcgovern when supposedly protecting him during the campaign when the white house was informed of this no objection was made an fbi agent was used by a white house staff member to spy on a long island newspaper doing an article on one of the president's friends the commerce department was called on to provide commercial information in a project that it was hoped would embarrass senator muskie the department of defense was used to find out information as to senator mcgovern's war records at a time when there were public charges that he may have acted with cowardice there was testimony to the effect that there was nothing short of a basic policy to use any governmental agencies to seek politically embarrassing information on individuals who were thought to be enemies of the white house the so-called enemies list was maintained in the white house for this purpose and a memo was prepared to implement a means of attacking these enemies apparently it was not enough to maneuver the intelligence community and related agency functions plans were made to take what is clearly a function of government outside the government to set up an independent intelligence operation the first plan was put forth by mr caulfield in proposals to messrs dean mitchell and ehrlichman he suggested a private security entity that would be available for white house special projects thereby insulating the white house from its deeds it was called operation sand wedge mr caulfield rejected the sand wedge plan and it was apparently replaced with an operation that came to be known as the plumbers in the meantime caulfield began conducting intelligence functions from a position on the white house council staff functions that properly belonged in the agencies if anywhere caulfield was instructed for example to develop political intelligence on senator kennedy including instructions from the assistant attorney general to obtain certain information about the travels of mary joe kopechny when he took the job he told mr ehrlichman that he would hire an ex new york city policeman to do investigative work mr ulasowitz was then used to collect information on various enemies political ideological and personal a sample of his activities reveals not only why intelligence should not be outside the checks of a professional organization but also the rather broad scope of what the white house was in fact doing his investigations included such things as richard nixon's old apartment in new york a kennedy official trip to hawaii name checks on white house visitors the president's brother political contributors to a dozen senators who opposed the administration jefferson hospital in philadelphia lewis harris polls the businessmen's education fund the house of mercy home for unwed mothers the u s conference of mayors a comedian named dixon mrs rose kennedy's secretary and birmingham alabama city council mayor and executive staff and that is just a sample of the much larger number of his investigations many of them are clearly the responsibility of established agencies if they are anybody's responsibility at all eventually a semi-official unit the plumbers was established within the white house with a combination of police and intelligence duties it conducted what mr mitchell referred to in his testimony as the white house horrors according to mitchell these operations were so wrong that if the president had heard about them he would have lowered the boom 
even though there is other evidence that the president did know about them and didn't lower any boom the legitimate intelligence agencies were used to support this operation specifically by providing materials for their operations general cushman of the cia testified that after a personal request from mr ehrlichman cia technical services people provided mr hunt with a driver's license social security card wig and speech altering device which were delivered to a safe house of cia premises per hunt's instructions around august nineteen seventy one hunt began to make additional demands on the cia first for a stenographer to be brought in from paris which Cushman and Director Helms considered merely a face-saving move and rejected. Later demands were made for a tape recorder in a typewriter case, a camera in a tobacco pouch, for film development, and for an additional alias and false papers for another man, probably Liddy, which requests came to Cushman's attention after they had been granted by the technical services people after hunt's additional demands and a subsequent request for a new york address and phone services cushman and helms decided hunt's requests had exceeded his original authority on august thirty first nineteen seventy one hunt made a final request for a credit card which was denied mr young of the plumbers unit asked the cia to do a psychological profile of dr ellsberg it was clearly a domestic project the only one of its type ever requested according to general cushman of the cia who also testified that such profiles are reserved for foreign leaders nevertheless it was done but mr young considered it unsatisfactory so another profile was prepared and sent other projects spanned a broad range such as spiriting dita beard from the east coast to a denver hospital and a subsequent trip to denver by hunt in disguise to question her about the itt affair to bring the full influence of the white house to bear on this extraordinary activity mr ehrlichman testified that he personally introduced messrs krogh and young who headed up the plumbers to the heads of various agencies such as the secretary of defense the attorney general and the director of the cia members of the plumbers eventually went on to similar work for the committee to re-elect although they were clearly outside the government they again used the legitimate agencies ex-cia employees were recruited on the basis of their loyalty to the cia national security responsibilities were misused mr barker was even told that the interests of national security he was serving were above the fbi and cia to reinforce this position classified and critical information about the mining of haifung harbor was relayed to barker the day before the president's announcement this was not only a misuse of secret defense department intelligence but it also furthered a misuse of national security entrustment in the executive branch in a different type of situation mr haldeman was appointed the lord high executioner of leaks this technique of attacking and solving the leaks problem illustrates the contempt for normal government functions it resulted in mr caulfield by his own testimony being directed by ehrlichman to wiretap a newsman's phone joseph kraft in pursuit of a leak outside the safeguards of government wiretap procedures and regulations there are capabilities within the legitimate operations of our government for handling such a problem 
the attitude that these problems had to be treated independently was the same attitude that led to the seventeen kissinger taps being installed outside normal fbi channels and margin's instructions from the president regarding the disposition of those wiretap logs that related to newsmen and white house staff suspected of leaking and that led to unusual and perhaps illegal white house involvement in the ellsberg case itself there is a reason for demanding that government officials use only the tested and accountable facilities of government it has been illustrated by the kinds of projects undertaken independently by the white house the final contempt for the intelligence community can be seen in efforts to exploit them in the cover-up mr ehrlichman said that he and mr haldeman had spoken to general walters and mr helms of the cia shortly after the watergate break-in Ehrlichman further said that Walters was a friend of the White House and was there to give the White House influence over the CIA. Dean testified that Ehrlichman asked him to explore the possible use of the CIA with regard to assisting the Watergate burglars. On June 23, 1972, Mr. Haldeman and Mr. Ehrlichman met with Director Helms and General Cushman of the CIA. According to Director Helms, Haldeman said something to the effect that it had been decided that General Walters was to go talk to FBI Director Gray and inform him that these investigations of the FBI might run into CIA operations in Mexico, and that it might be best if they were tapered off, or something like that. According to General Walters, Haldeman directed Helms to inhibit the FBI investigation on grounds that it would uncover CIA assets in Mexico. Haldeman also indicated he had information the CIA did not have, and that five suspects were sufficient. When Director Helms and Director Gray of the FBI scheduled a meeting between themselves on June 28, 1972, Mr. Ehrlichman intervened and canceled the meeting, thus preventing any independent contacts. At a later time, Mr. Dean discussed with General Walters the possibility of using covert CIA funds to pay the Watergate defendants. In February 1973, the CIA was asked by the White House to take custody of Justice Department files on Watergate, but the request was denied. Mr. McCord testified that at the time of the Watergate trial, pressure was brought on himself and other defendants to claim, for purposes of a defense, that Watergate was a CIA operation. The FBI was likewise abused in numerous ways. Some of these, such as turning over Hunt's files to Mr. Gray, have been well documented. But there were other examples. The FBI set up the so-called Kissinger wiretaps outside channels, effectively insulating them from routine discovery and accountability. And at the President's instructions, Mr. William Sullivan, who had supervised the wiretaps, turned over all evidence of them to the White House when it was reportedly related to the President that Hoover might use them to preserve his job. The FBI ran an investigation of CBS newsman Daniel Shore in what was a White House tactic to embarrass him, according to one witness. Mr. Ehrlichman testified that he was instructed after the Watergate break-in to see to it that the FBI investigation did not uncover the Ellsberg break-in or get into the Pentagon Papers episode. In the end, the wake of Watergate left a distorted intelligence community whose historic professionalism had been badly damaged. End of section 33